0: You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlis, and
1: maybe somebody else. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 28 for February 6th, 2008. I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt and You
0: know what? It's been quite a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, We just received a couple of emails the other day. Actually, maybe they were today. Uh, no no, It was the other day. Okay. Whatever it was. it was. It was a while ago. All
2: right.
0: <laughs> Asking if we were ever going to come back around again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, people, we are back. And if you have some questions or some comments or some feedback, because it's been a long time, or you're going to hear something today, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can even pick up your phone and call us on your landline. You can leave us a voicemail. And I, I think I've said well, people have done that recently or maybe i don't know it's been a while anyways though so 623-242-2450 and of course we'll have the email and the phone number at the end of the episode so or in the show notes so that you'll know uh, how to get a hold of us so anyways man it's been so long mark i've got a the dust off my microphone what's up man
1: yeah we are back in full effect much like an 80s rapper and um <laughs> ready to party out here um that was pretty cool wasn't it yeah that was,
0: <laughs> i'm like i'm trying to think of a comeback and i'm like nope can't, can't do so, it <laughs> um, and it's bad enough i heard the other day that was the uh new kids on the block were doing a reunion tour yeah so. i
1: heard that too and i'm, I'm really excited about it but uh yeah i'm gonna
0: pick out my parachute pants and my acid wash jeans and all that good stuff and figure out which one i'm taking to the concert
1: nice <laughs> yeah well you know what i guess it's been long enough and now you know what are they like 50 years old roundabouts yeah, but
0: well let's see yeah i'm uh, yeah pretty close <laughs> yeah
1: i don't think they can move as fast as they used to but you know it'll, it'll be funny um
0: yeah it's it's called it the break the hip tour
1: sorry the, about that <laughs> the broken hip tour the bucket list tour i guess maybe there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's you know it, we've i think we've both been real busy with uh, our own shows and stuff like that and uh, it just feels good to, to get back and do a nice, simple audio show and, and chat and talk about woodworking. And um, you know, there's Absolutely. there's quite a few topics I think that we have to cover, and we got a, a lot of emails. You know, again, it always goes in waves, man. If if we're ready and, and waiting for this stuff, we don't get much. But if if we're not ready and we're busy doing other things, it just it's a flood of emails and voicemails. So, yep, yeah, we're Absolutely. we're gonna we'll try and get through as many as we can, and um, just have some fun with it because that's that's what it's all about. So.
0: Right. And those that we don't get to, well, you know what? Maybe if you're lucky, we'll come back and do another episode even sooner than the long pause that you had here. Yeah. So we'll have a few.
1: Yeah, we probably cool. should do that. Um, you know, I wanted to bring up a couple things things. Uh, first of all, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, have you been watching or heard about at least the new Yankee workshop, uh, the, the current season and what they're working on?
0: Uh, you know what? I did happen to catch the, the uh, recent article in Fine Woodworking Magazine talking about you know Norm and kind of showing what he's doing. He, and he's talking about building uh, cabinets for the, the kitchen, which is perfect right. timing because my wife and I were talking about redoing the cabinets in ours and basically the decent boxes but need new face frames and stuff like that. So it's like this is a great opportunity. I haven't checked out the actual PBS episodes, right. but the article, it was pretty insightful.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's okay. It's um, you know, it's it's norm. So it's your standard stuff that Norm does, except for now he's just doing all these different kitchen built-in kitchen projects. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it the, I don't know, it's kind of boring. Uh I, I really enjoy watching him make different pieces of furniture in different periods with different materials. And now it's kind of all the same crap and you know, and I've I've had to build cabinets before, and to me, you know, kitchen cabinets is like the necessary evil of being in, in the woodworking business. If, you know, right. someone comes along and you got to make some kitchen cabinets and the money is right, then you go ahead and make them. But it certainly wouldn't be on my, <clears throat> you know, top ten list of things that I enjoy building. Um, right. N- nor is it on my top ten list of things I enjoy watching norm build. So right. it, it seems like, to me, it seems like someone really wanted that kitchen made and it was like, hey man, we got a, a TV show, we'll hook you up, you know, and oh, let's, uh, yep. let's just make a show out of it while we're at it. I mean, it, that's kind of the, the way I do my show. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's more or less like one of those, we're going to make a box yeah. and then we're going to make a square that's going to fit on the box. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll put some doors on there.
1: <laughs> right. And I think the thing is what I do at my show is, you know, it's a little self-indulgent if I feel like making something because I, or or, you know, Nicole bugs me enough about making a piece of furniture that could very well become the topic of the show and and that seems almost what this is where someone wanted a kitchen hey why not make a show about it so i'm really curious to know uh how many people are really enjoying this i i guess if you're like you said if you're if you're building a kitchen soon it's going to be fantastic and it's going to encourage people to do that but if you're you know not and have no interest in building a kitchen i wonder how boring this season is going to be
0: Right, you know, and that's a good point because actually, this past Saturday, I had a chance to actually sit down and had a chance to catch the norm of you know, it was it was on when I was actually not doing something, so I flipped it on <laughs> and I looked right at. It. I think it was like part two of two, and that was actually my reaction to it. it was like I I liked the magazine article. It was kind of neat, but then when it came to actually watching it, I'm like, yeah, box in a box. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> all know, the same all principle. Cake?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, not to put it down, you know, it's still woodworking on TV, and that's always a good thing, but it's just not, not, uh, to me, a very fun-filled season. It just seems like it's going to be kind of... But what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's definitely not making, you know, that special high end, you know, rolled around cart with the uh, um, grinder on the back. But <sighs> the biscuit holder in the front and then, the, <laughs> right, right. you know, something really, you know, just absolutely off the wall. I mean, that's what that's what you really need is just, you know, some some real creative uh, project in there. And then on top of it, we're going to mix in some high uh, high boy uh, legs that we found. Some <laughs> queen
1: <Anne and laughs> We have these sitting in the back. So why not? Let's just <laughs> nail them in. Yeah, um, exactly. We're we're going total
0: new Yankee on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no kidding. Yeah, fourteen different woods, and I think people would like to see that actually. But um, now here's a good one. Have you seen, or I should say, heard the new podcast? Uh, what is it? Modernwoodshop.com? dot com.
0: Uh, hello. They talked about us the other day. Dave, you know, this. <laughs> I sat there for the long, I almost like sped it up going, I got to hear Matt, got to hear Matt, got to yeah. hear Matt. And luckily, you know, uh, uh, Dave was nice enough to actually mention me. He mentioned you and we got, we got some higher ratings according to Dave that we're, you know, we're definitely a good resource. So okay, can't beat
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate him talking about us. It's uh you know, the thing is right now things are changing so fast and there's so many shows that either come and go or, you know, even ones that come and and stay around. It's, you know, tends to get a little bit difficult to keep track of everything. So fortunately, um, the software in a lot of these uh, blogging platforms uh, informs you of when someone links to you, which mm-hmm. is incredibly helpful if you don't have the time to necessarily search all the forms and find everything that's new. As soon as someone mentions us, I know about it, and that's kind of kind of how I found out about it. But I was kind of disappointed that he was already on episode three, and I had no idea it was around. Oh, like, okay, No one mentioned it to me, and I just didn't come across it. So. I was very excited to uh, to listen to his show, and um, you know, if you're into these audio shows and you're traveling or you know doing whatever for your commute to work, and you listen to Matt's show or you listen to Wood Talk online once a month when we do it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, well, uh, once
2: every
0: two months, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: depending. Um, and it, it seems like he's doing his show weekly, and it's just a very relaxed, um, you know, well well informed sort of podcast about woodworking and. You got a lot of those now. I mean, we got Kaleo doing his thing over there. Of course, you know you're you're leading yep. the pack out there, Matt. And uh, you know, and now you got Dave's show too. So, I mean, just a lot of great content out there. You know, yeah. I mean? You know,
0: actually, with Dave's show, sorry that's, uh, when he uh, he did a couple of ones, and he's he's got some really insightful stuff. This one that he just did recently was was pretty good. But I had to laugh because he had I think it was an episode two. Um, I can't remember exactly how the the, the whole thing came around, but I I just I totally had to laugh about this one. It was he had referred to Christopher Schwartz as being like the Oprah of woodworking. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because it's like, you know, Chris suddenly starts talking about like, you know, workbenches and then suddenly workbenches are like everywhere. The topic is just wide open. You know, and, and, you know, he's talking about hand planes, suddenly hand planes just wide open. And I I was, I had to stop listening to it and I was laughing so hard. And I think I might've (laughs) sent him a comment like that was, that was so true because I know a lot of times for myself, I don't, my mother-in-law, I tease her all the time about being an Oprah fanatic, that if Oprah says it, my, my mother-in-law does it. And to some degree, it's like, as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh my God, every time Chris says something, I do it too. (laughs) Oh
1: no, I'm one of those. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? He's not going to be Oprah until he gets on his, uh, his blog and just starts going Um, today we're going to learn about workbenches and he's going to give everybody a workbench. Then he's Oprah.
0: Yeah. Or he could have one of us come on and we could jump off a couch and scream up and down, (laughs) jump up and down
1: and explain, you know, how great our relationship with our workbench is. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) No, that's true. I think he right now in the blogging community, because he's such a, uh, I would say a force to be reckoned with in the blogging world. Uh, that I think he's taken very seriously, and he's watched heavily. I mean, it, it, his blog articles are magazine quality in terms of the the f- photography that's used, and he's a great writer. Uh, I, I think he gets you know he gets the attention that he deserves. Honestly.
0: Yep, absolutely. You no, know, and I, I hate to be one of those people that you know is kind of a sheep or something, but I mean, I follow him at his Lost <laughs> Art <laughs> Press
1: blog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like.
0: Uh, Chris said, "What? I'm there." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I follow, but as other as all his blogs, as many as I can get. You know, even at popular woodworking, and I actually did sign up to take a class with him. <laughs> oh, did you? Where? <laughs> up in March. Yeah, uh, it's going to be in Sterling Heights, uh, Michigan, okay. and it's at a woodcraft store, and it's uh, it's an all day event, if I remember right, and it has to do with uh, handsaws. Okay. Um, in fact, it's like the lost art of handsawing or something, and it's wow. like dude, I'm there. So you go, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, That's awesome. Yeah.
1: I'm you have pretty to give excited us, about it. You have to give us the uh, you know document the process so we could talk about it on the show. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, it was funny because I know one of the societies, one of the woodworking groups over in on um, the this is going to be on the east side of Michigan, so I got to travel across state. Um, they were actually, I guess they were trying to put together like dinner with Chris the night before, and I'm like, I'm not a member, but I could easily be persuaded into becoming a member if I can get <laughs> in on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, you know, speaking of you know, just different bloggers and things. Um, This is not on our topic list, but I thought it would be uh, cool to talk about. Um, One thing that I've really noticed, and especially recently has really come to my attention, is the amazing variety of woodworkers that are out there, and especially in terms of the ones who are actually producing uh, audio and video content. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of commonality with woodworkers, but amazingly, there are so many shows out there that are just completely different from one another in terms of... Who the intended audience is, uh, what skill level, you know, the audience would be, and and sort of the voice of the show, if it's funny, if it's serious, if it's for amateurs versus pros. It's really interesting to me that so far there hasn't really been much redundancy in terms of uh, who we're we're talking to as an audience, you know, Mm -hmm. so just... It's just kind of amazing to me how much stuff is out there and how, you know, no matter what level you're at and what point in your woodworking career or hobby you're in, there is definitely something out there for you.
0: Oh, yeah, that's really true. I'm, you know, as you said, leading into this whole thing, I mean, really, there are so many new shows that are popping up. I mean, we got Dave, we got, you know, Kaleo, all sorts of them. In fact, actually, I just received another email about another video podcast, um, Oh, man, I'm going to have to find that one now.
1: He Is just posted te- his first one. Is it the teenager one? Have no, there's seen- a
0: teenager one out? <laughs> <laughs> there's another one.
1: Yeah, this uh, this this dude, uh, Dennis, I, I would guess he's probably, I don't, I'm not good with ages, but he looks like he's between 14 and 16 or something like that. Uh, he did his first show over at Lumberjonks and it's called the, the Teenage Woodworker, I think. And um, it did a great job. The guy just set the the camcorder down in the basement and was telling everybody what they need to have a basic shop. And we're not talking about, you know, major power tools here. He's he's going back, you know, to basics and saying, look, you need a handsaw. You need a, a measuring tool and, you know, stuff that I think, you know, at a certain point in our hobby, we get so far beyond that that sometimes we forget that a lot of people would be more than happy to start with those things and build up from there. And I think our perspective is a little bit skewed. So it was really refreshing to, to see his point of view on that stuff and what tools you need. And he did a fantastic job. So, you know, Sweet. definitely go to Lumberjocks. I, I wish I had the site specifically here, but go to Lumberjocks and search for a Teenage Woodworker. And it, I would hope that the search would bring it up. Uh, definitely check okay. it out. So what what was this other one that you?
0: This is uh yeah I just brought it up and his name is Gord Graff. Uh he's got it at Blip TV. Um I'll make sure to put a, a link into this. And basically uh he's he's another guy that just kind of contacted me and he's like you know he's been doing this for like thirty years and is just having a ton of fun and he just wanted to share it. And it was a video of him uh demonstrating how to use pipe clamps without getting a you know sometimes we get that horrible stain if the pipe clamps actually sitting on the wood. Yeah and uh, kind of a, a jig that he had set up and everything. And it sounds like he's planning on doing more of these. Huh. Um, but yeah, I'm, in fact, actually it's, I'm trying to bring it up right now, but it's, it's running a little slow. I can't remember exactly what the name of the show is. Okay, uh, but Yeah. It, it was, it was a pretty neat one. It's like when I, when I got that, I'm like, Oh, this is pretty sweet. Another opportunity. And I'm, you know, we were joking around, I think, the last time that we, we got together and how I suddenly discovered, like, you know, the RSS feed for, like, regular blogs. <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> and so that's what I've been throwing a lot of these in there. And that's I spend the majority of my time now going through all of these ones. And I think I've, I, I can't remember. I think I've got his feed in there, too. But, yeah, it's it's just it's really neat. And the neat thing about it, you know, for the rest of the audience is the fact that you don't need like tons of equipment. Like every time I hear from somebody, I'm like, dude, just get some free software and, you know, just start out with a camera just to see if you like it. Use your little point and shoot. Yeah, so. yeah
1: these days it's so much easier. And, I mean, if you do have a chance to get, you know, the more modern stuff, it just gets so much easier, uh, you know, with a camera that has, you know, let's say like a FireWire uh, connection. Uh, connected up to a computer is just you know almost flawless to use and super simple so yeah it's you know encourage people as much as they can to do this stuff because i think it's it's really all about building the community and taking what was a very solitary you know sort of um, a a thing where we would only get together in groups once in a while you know um, now we're constantly uh, sharing what we're doing even though we're still solitary you know, it's 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 just kind of ironic. Um, you know, Nicole and I talk about this all the time that we're we're huge in in terms of social media. We're huge fans. We're we're always out there engaging people and having conversations online and emails constantly, but we never really hang any hang out with anybody in real life. Right?
0: You know? Yeah, so, I know exactly what you mean by that. That's yeah. I I, I do that myself a lot. Wait <laughs> <we're>, a minute. <laughs> uh, we
1: we, uh, we we refer to ourselves as the anti-social socialites. Um, you know because that 's exactly what it is it's 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 just very weird that we 're so active in in the online community uh but we very rarely you know we have friends and stuff locally, but most of them are bloggers. <laughs> You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's when all the nerds come out and, and bring their laptops to the coffee shop together and they all just do the same thing they would be doing at home, only now they're doing it in the coffee shop with a cup of coffee. So, Right. Or hard.
0: you're like my wife and I who are both are on MySpace and we're MySpacing Spacing each other sitting right next to each other on the sofa.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, every good relationship is based on that, man. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, hey, I, I got a topic for you. This is something that actually I just started talking about on, on, uh, on my own show and I got a a lot of responses so i'm really kind of curious to see what other people think about this maybe yourself too sure um i i decided that you know I, i'm really kind of tossing this idea back and forth about upgrading some of my equipment basically my table saw my band saw mm-hmm. but i you know i'm also thinking well there's nothing really wrong with what i have currently that maybe a little upgrade wouldn't hurt so one thing i had done was my current table saw that i have which i've talked to you know over and over about how it was my grandfather's and everything else right um it's about fifty years old and it, it works fine. The only problem was the motor was pretty undersized; it was half horsepower. Um, the blade I can only use like a seven and a quarter because it's actually, I think, technically an eight-inch table saw. So I went ahead and splurged and bought a new motor for it, and it's working really great. Okay, now I just got to do something about the blade. But the idea was, wh- which do which which do people think that you should do the most? Should you upgrade or should you buy new because the way i look at it if you're upgrading if it's just something really simple um you know it, that's not so bad but after a while a number of these upgrades probably you probably put enough money out that you probably could have easily just bought the newer version sure you know and so i'm kind of torn between that because there's a little bit of the sentimentality of you know gee i remember my grandfather cutting his thumb off with this table saw <laughs> <laughs> that's, what got, that's what got me into the medical field but at the same time it's like there's that level of frustration and you know oh can i can i justify it and everything else so right I've yeah really kind of you know it's and what i think i'd mentioned this that i got a lot of emails from people and there are definitely there's two camps out there i don't think there's any middle ground on this maybe i'm I'm the middle ground but there are two camps that it's like yeah you know renovate 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 and then there's the other ones like what the hell are you thinking buy new
1: <laughs> oh geez okay
0: so, well, it, yeah, it's it's definitely. I'm really kind of curious to see what other. What, what do you think about it? I mean, I you know I I like the idea of new because you can definitely do more with it. Wow, who and doesn't? Like I said, yeah. yeah, and like I said, you know if it's you know after the after you've had, like pretty much put the money out on the aftermarket accessories, bought everything else, you probably have already dumped the money into the new. Really? Sure. I mean, yeah.
1: Well, you so. know, it's pretty subjective. Obviously, I mean, you you depending on your level of sentimental attachment to it, um, you know, maybe part of your hobby is the reconditioning of tools. You know, think about mm-hmm. the the thing we talk about with hand planes all the time. Um, that in and of itself is a hobby, you know. And and redoing all these hand planes, um, you know, this is a lot like uh, somebody who has an old car. You know, do you continue to throw? I mean, I know I've had friends in college who threw every penny they had into this piece of crap car that never even moved you know but yeah. but they kept putting money into it money and money and money it could have bought something reasonably you know uh cheap but it at least would have ran you know and it would have got right. a nice yeah. used car out of the deal but that wasn't the point you know they were really into the hobby of fixing up this car now i think that's a little bit different than tools i mean i don't think anyone really is in a hobby of just hot rotting their table saw um you know, Yeah, but you never know. There's a few off the <laughs> could, There could very well be, you know, like a, a 10 right. horsepower uh, table saw. But, um, you know, for the <laughs> for the most part, we're really just trying to get these things to be safe and functional. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it really does become a very subjective call. It depends on how much the new one would cost to be of uh, a decent enough quality. Um, you know, and and if like you said, if it's little small improvements here and there... Yeah, you know, no problem with that, but I think once you start getting to the point that you're you got to upgrade the fence, you got to upgrade the motor, you got to put a, you know, aftermarket splitter into it. Once you start getting into that range, that's when I have to start questioning whether it's worth it, you know, to to have a saw that probably, you know, and I hate to say it, although some might be okay for the most part, most of those mm-hmm. saws are still even after you do all that are not going to perform as well as the newer saw.
2: You right. know, and that's
1: yeah. just a complete, you know, I'm I'm sort of guessing at this point and, and just, uh, you know, from tools that I've had in the past that I've tried to improve upon. And I can tell you what, I mean, if money's tight, you got to do what you got to do. That's the reality of the situation. But right. for me, every time I have finally made the decision, okay, no more use stuff, I'm going to buy this tool new. I've mm-hmm. never regretted it. I've never looked back and said, damn, I really wish I would have kept that old one around um i've always you know had a good experience with it so i probably am more just my personality more likely to buy new than i am to fix up old i i would rather sell it to someone and let them fix it up and then i'll reinvest that money into a new one
0: yeah that's a good point yeah, yeah. that's that that's kind of the way i am right now i'm thinking especially my bandsaw it's it's definitely it it works it works fine and it works for what i've used it for but it's one of those by the time i get done tweaking it and everything else I'm so frustrated. I don't even want to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, And it
1: might so not. And it still may not be. Uh, you know, it still may not perform at the level that it should, even after you do all this crap to it.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, when it comes to, like I said, there was there's the two the the two camps that seems to be out there, and I I, I the renovation people just crack me up because. I can completely understand where they're coming from. I had a ton of fun renovating them, my current tools, and I, I heard from a, one guy, and it sounds a lot like my father-in-law who goes to auctions <laughs> all the time, you right. know. And he, and he he buys all this stuff, and he was just t- saying something about he just bought like an, an 18-inch uh, uh, bandsaw. Um, I forget how much he was saying. It was like from a, a big old mill, and he said he literally had it in the, uh, the in the in, in the trailer. I was pulling into his driveway, and somebody's like, "Hey, how much are you selling that for?" Oh, well, in that case, <laughs> yeah. turned around and sold it was able to buy pretty much a, a newer one, you know, with the money that he made off of it for his small investment. Awesome. That's so, great.
1: Well, yeah, there's you know, the, but, you know, the old uh, old iron, old, you know, steel type concept. And you find, you know, there's there's going to be times at auction or something you may find like the aircraft carrier jointer that just needs a new motor and, you know, probably needs a little TLC to get the rust off. You know, that all of a sudden then becomes, hmm, you know, what would a, a 16-inch jointer cost me today? Versus, yeah, yeah, versus me getting this clunky giant piece of meat, you know, sitting there that's, uh, you know, going to cost me a thousand bucks. Then all of a sudden, you got to start thinking the other way that this is much more practical, and you may be able to get a killer tool, you know, for a reasonable price. All you got to do is buy a motor, you know. So, so they're you know very subjective, and I think it really depends on the tools themselves and and what the market is like for that tool. So I don't think there's a blanket answer, but you know, but again, like you said, two camps, I probably fall uh, more so into the buy new camp.
0: Yeah, that's I'm at that point that I, it depends on what day it is. It's like one of my major when I was in, in college. <laughs> <laughs> you know? well, today I am buying new, going through the catalogs. Yeah. So anyways, though, kind of right. curious to see what other people have to say about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, let us know. Leave some uh, comments there uh, after the show notes. Um, you know, I also wanted to uh, change gears a little bit. We're all yep. talking about tools anyway. Um, I saw on Popular Woodworking's blog, I believe Glenn Huey wrote the article, um mm-hmm. just saw it the other day that apparently in uh, Europe they're releasing some Festool, circular saw, plunge cut saw type competitors. And, oh. Yeah, so you're looking at it. I mean they actually kind of eerily look a little bit Festool-like because I think mm-hmm. they've, you know, they sort of had, um, you know. Rede- Spice
0: them else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they must have. Um, they sort of, if you look at the saw, it clearly looks like no other saw out there. They kind of redefined the category a little bit. And these now look like the festival category, if you will. Uh, but okay. uh, taking directly from uh, Glenn's article, he says that there is a new DeWalt unit and there is a new Makita. And they. I think one of them is out, but the DeWalt isn't just yet. And they're not available in, in the U.S. No news on when they will be. But the concept is plunge cut, able to ride on a steady track. And sounds like it's, uh, it's coming in pretty hot. Um, you know, I don't know... I wonder how Festool is going to, um, you know, deal with that. I think I think they're used to being the innovator, you know, finding an old tool, a classic tool that we use all the time and mm-hmm. reinventing it. You know, now what happens when someone copies the reinvention? You know, right. it's it's going to be a challenge for them to stay on top and innovate because I would guess that part of the DeWalt and Makita strategy would be to come in at a lower price point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they want to say, "Okay, well there's this one, but we've got a model too and we yeah. probably more for you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if
1: even if they charge, you know, double or or triple what their normal circular saws cost, um, you know, it's still going to take a little bit before they get up to the, you know, the premium price that that Festool charges and I I think, you know, hands down, uh, it's justified in terms of making a long-term investment in a tool. Um, But Mm -hmm. it'll be very interesting to see how they handle that and position themselves. Actually, let me see. It looks like they do have a little information. DeWalt's saw is priced at 509 pounds, and that's uh, converted, I guess, to uh, dollars. is $756. Oh, wow. That's way more than a Festool saw.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking, like, the last time I was at a woodcraft store, there's, yeah, no, no, that's not right. But it's similar, though, like, with all the functions, like, not just being the plunge and being able to run on a rail. I mean, didn't the festival that also has a a riving knife built in, doesn't it? Well, all of these have
1: the riving knife as well. That's all part of the design. Okay. Oh yeah, wow. So yeah, it,
0: so. it basically sounds like the Festool engineers are kind of like, you know, um, hey, uh backdoor, what do you what are you looking for? We got some design <laughs> right here.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and the other thing is at this point it's been out for so long, it's it's surprising that it's taken this long for someone to go Hey, you know what? That's actually a good idea. People like that. Maybe we should do it too, you know. So,
0: <laughs> you imagine the board meeting on that one. So any new ideas? Uh, and somebody's flipping through the Festool catalog. Oh, well, there's this one idea about a <laughs> plunge saw. We could do something
1: like that. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's funny. Um, you know, I'm looking at it right now. The TS55 uh Festool plunge saw comes in at 440 and looking back here uh, the again the conversion for the dewalt was 756 and the makita was 354 so the makita's in a little bit under and the dewalt's a little more who the other thing is who knows what comes with the dewalt package i don't know i'm not right no idea yeah. i'm not pretending to know i'm just <laughs> i'm just reporting I'm what see.
0: i see yeah more than likely it's probably one of those you're paying for the name kind of thing maybe the dewalt assumes that their name is or they're just you're paying for that yellow uh, the yellow and black color. So somehow <laughs> paying for
1: that fancy bumblebee color.
0: Exactly. You know, and, uh, yeah, it's even on the rail and everything matches and it doesn't come off when you're running across it
1: across. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> could could Very well be. All right, dude. I think we have some voicemails to play and Sweet. Uh, bring them on. Voicemails are my favorite. All right. Uh, we've got one and we have, we, we asked for some attention from our, our buddy, uh, ski out there, I think in the last show. And, uh, Attention! We got so um, he's he's
0: still around. He I thought he's frozen right now.
1: He's on his way to being frozen, apparently. Uh, so let, let's let's hear why.
0: Okay, guys, ski here. Great show. Keep it up. My question this week: I'm in Minnesota, where it's cold. My workshop is out in a detached garage. If I put a big portable heater out there and temporarily heat the space for a day at a time, am I going to harm my tools or hurt the wood by letting it cycle through hot and cold, hot and cold? Heat the garage up to say you know fifty or sixty so I can stand being out there, and then you know at night it's going to drop down to twenty degrees again. I know I can't do glue ups and finishing in this kind of setup. What about just milling the wood or doing the cuts and getting stuff where I need it to be, and then waiting for the spring to actually do the glue ups and finishing?
1: What do you think? Well, you know what, um, you well, know what else runs hot and cold and hot and cold is uh, is my wife, and that doesn't seem to bother her at all. Oh, yours too. Mine too. Maybe they're yeah. like premenopausal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, that's a joke. She doesn't run hot and cold. She's usually cold oh, um, cold all the time. Um, oh, I'm digging my hole pretty deep here. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to let you go. You try and figure <laughs> yeah. out what you're going to be buying her. <laughs> I got to go edit this out of the final cut here. Um, you know, here's the thing with the temperature. First of all, I don't. I'm not. You know, an expert in in how these. Uh, you know, the mechanics and the electronics are all going to respond to. Uh, Raising and lowering the temperature like that I can say that I don't think it's really going to have a huge effect On the wood in terms of temperature But if that heater is producing a really dry heat And it keeps pulling the moisture out of the room And then the moisture comes back in the room You know, uh, over the course of 12 hours Before you get back into the shop You know, the wood, I don't know In those changes like that The wood doesn't really react to quick, short-term changes It's a long-term effect so the question is, how is that wood going to respond? What is the net effect of being heated and dry, and then cooling and having the humidity go back up? Um, you know, that, that's a good question. I, I don't know. What do you think would happen? I mean, what's what's the net effect of of no moisture, moisture, no moisture, moisture? You know, if if, yeah. it, if that's the case. Yeah, that
0: you know. I mean, I I've worked out of my garage periodically in Michigan, where basically the the same exact weather, maybe a little bit warmer, but not much um and really when it comes down to it yeah i'm not worried about rust and everything um really it, it's so dry in the winter anyways that i i think my biggest concern is that you know the, i mean the, the wood is already going to be dry you're not really going to do anything when you heat it up it's not, it's not gonna you're going to heat it up yeah exactly and right. on top of when you heat it up it's not like it, you're going to be changing the environmental condition so dramatically that the wood is suddenly going to like you know swell or something it's just not going to happen right so um yeah i'm not too worried about that when it comes to the tools you know short of i don't know i really can't imagine there being that much more moisture i mean obviously things will you know condense a little bit but not enough to be if you're taking care of the tools the tools are going to be taken care of no matter what anyways so if you go from one condition to another i mean recently michigan pretty much has been having a dramatic uh weather change like that's one day it's 40 and the next day it drops to 15 and then back up to 40 and then 15 so it's yeah you know it's it's pretty crazy but yeah it's with the cold, to me, the, the biggest problem with the cold is um, it's cold. That's really, really pretty much it. <laughs> it's damn
1: cold. Uh, well, you it know, is. the other thing is unless unless his uh, garage or his shop there is just super, super well insulated, most shops are pretty drafty, and the minute you turn off whatever your heat source is, it's going to go back to the normal conditions. I mean, I, I've got the same thing yep. in my shop. When I use the swamp cooler, a lot of people ask me, how bad of an effect does that have on the wood? Uh, getting the humidity going up like that. Well, it's up for the workday. And as soon as I turn it off, it's like literally within minutes, everything goes right back to the way it was, Um, you know, as far as uh, temperature and, and humidity. So... Uh, and, like you said it 's pretty dry in winter, so the change between heated and unheated is probably not that dramatic, so I think we can safely say the wood is probably fine. I think you could probably proceed to work with the wood like you would you know any other time uh if right. if winter's not comfortable to woodwork, then just don't woodwork and and sticker and stack your wood, make sure it can breathe, and uh wait till it warms up a bit. The machines, right. like you said you know i don't I don't know that uh that the machines themselves are going to have any major negative effects um Oh, that's that's an area that's a little beyond my expertise to know for sure. I just can't imagine the, the cold and hot really, you know, it's not as dramatic as I think it may seem. I mean, it's not like it is a flash cold and a flash heat. It's a slow warming up and then a slower cooling down, you know, getting when he turns that heater on and off. So I don't, I don't really think it's going to be a dramatic problem for him personally
0: and and if you think about it also i mean we can get like historical on it and think about the fact that our forefathers um, i mean when they were working in their wood wood shops i don't think that wood shop stayed consistently heated the the whole entire time i mean let's get serious about the they probably had just as much weather fluctuation or temperature fluctuation within the shop that probably ski is going through right now that you know i know i'm going through myself My, my biggest problem in the winter is i don't have my garage is where i do all my finishing and in fact actually right now i've had to put off a couple of finishing projects because of the fact that the temperature is so drastic I can't get that the, the temperature in the uh, in the garage warm enough where I can even stand being out there let alone actually doing <laughs> any of the finishing so yeah no kidding know, it's- that's when you're trying to like get a nice steady hand so you can get the uh, you know the finish of the top coat on there and you can't do it. Forget about it. You're not doing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your teeth are chattering the whole time. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know? also, it's it, it, the icicle that's forming on my nose keeps dropping on the finish. So it's just it's not going to happen. That that's my bigger concern than actually working in there. Um, another one, if you're if he had said like maybe even assembling and stuff like that, I'm concerned about like glue. The glue could easily evaporate a little bit faster or not even really set up yeah. because of how it is yeah know, so
1: the glue anytime i mean even here in arizona the temperature dips down enough that the glue can become a problem and if you let that glue set up and it looks um you'll know when it happens too because if it sets up and it turns like a whitish color and is a little bit chalky instead of like what you would normally see where it's really you know a, a nice solid drip on your squeeze mm-hmm. out that's a problem that means you did not get full uh adhesion there and you can you know in a lot of cases it sucks but you could probably just with your fist or your knee pop a joint apart you know like if you're talking about gluing up a tabletop or something so um proper Mm -hmm. curing temperature uh for the duration of of uh the glue up is essential and if you know i gotta say for finishing and assembly if you don't have the proper temperature don't do it because you're gonna you're definitely gonna regret it you're gonna have problems and it's just not worth you know getting that frustrated over it when you're not really even following the instructions that are on the labeling to begin with.
0: There you go. You know? Yeah. So I say for the cold weather ski, maybe you can you know, easily, you know, mill the lumber. I don't see any problem with that. Um, And then uh, uh, maybe even like sharpen your tools or play with them. But when it comes to anything else, uh, you might want to wait for some warmer weather as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. And if you mill, you know, do a little of the pre-milling. Don't mill it all the way down to final dimension because, you know, there is still humidity changing, you know, through here and you're exposing fresh wood. So take it easy, you know, uh, do some pre-milling. Don't take it all the way down, but it probably will help the wood acclimate, you know, a little bit more over time. And when you finally do get to work with it, you'll be better off to begin with. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yep. All right. Fantastic.
1: Moving right along. We got a couple of uh, voicemails. Like like I said, we're going to try and hit as many voicemails as we can. And whatever's left over, we will uh, tackle a couple emails. All right. Here Good. We
0: go. Because my, my tongue today is really, really tied. And I'd definitely be screwing up a lot of names. There we so. go. There we
1: go. Um, I don't know who these are from. I'm just playing them out of the, the mailbox. So here we go. Okay. Hey, guys. How's it going? This is Roberto. This one's from Roberto. Oh, good. I'm so helpful.
2: (laughs) Hey, guys. How's it going? This is Roberto. I have a question concerning a type of wood species. I am going to build an entire bedroom set, and I'm looking for kiln-dried manayo wood, M-A-N-A-Y-O. I've been looking on the internet and online. I cannot find it at all. Maybe it goes by a different name, but you guys can help me out with that. Manayo wood. Thanks. Thanks.
1: I actually did a little bit of digging on this, and I couldn't find a damn thing. So uh, that's kind of why I wanted to play it. I wanted to uh, throw it out there. And if anybody knows of a source for Manayo Wood, uh, give us an email, drop us a line, or leave a comment on the site. Give us a call, whatever it takes. Um, Let us know, and we can pass that information on to uh, our good buddy. Yeah, what, what was the spelling on that? M-A-N-Y-L-O? A- A-Y-O or something like that. Manayo, M-A-N-A-Y-O. I'll put it in the show notes. I don't even remember myself. Yeah. But,
0: <laughs> okay, that works for me because let's say I'm like, uh, I can barely spell also, so yeah. forget about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so hopefully somebody will have some advice uh, for our good buddy there. Um, yeah, definitely. Moving on, man. We're trucking through here. Let's uh, see who's next.
2: All right. Hey, Mark, Matt. This is uh, Dan from Florida. I have three uh, quick questions for you first what do you think about the lee isolock uh jig te- uh dovetail jig templates would you buy them do you like them would you use them
1: okay hey this is a multi-parter here so um yeah. you know the uh the isolock templates have you seen those before uh
0: i can barely pronounce it so isolock <laughs> uh, no uh, I, I don't think I, i'm gonna try and bring it up right now
1: yeah it's the uh i'm sure you've seen it before. It's the. Uh, funny-looking, wacky, almost like um, like a jigsaw-type dovetail connection. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's these odd-looking, bulbous, like, finger projection things. It's, it's really neat-looking. Um, you know, what do I think of it? It's neat, you know, but, I mean, in terms of functionality, it kind of might get old. It's not something that you want to pull out every time. I think if you're making... I don't know if you're making a really neat-looking, you know, kids piece of furniture for a kid's room. Something like that is really cool to do because it just looks crazy. It's nothing you would ever really see on any normal piece of furniture. So I think it's a novelty, personally. I mean, it's that's not to say you couldn't use it on a really high-class piece of furniture if that's what you wanted to do. It's your furniture. Uh, For me personally, it's kind of a novelty. You know, I don't don't know that I'd spend a lot of money on it.
0: Yeah, that maybe just yeah once uh, yeah like you said like a neat novelty type of thing just a once in a uh, what the hell you know I haven't got anything else to do kind of a thing well not so much that but <laughs> I didn't mean it that way
1: holy crap I don't yeah. want anybody
0: like hey, you're a jerk thanks buddy <laughs> well if you <laughs> really no,
1: I, if you look at that and you go duh that's awesome I want to be able to do that then then it's worth it for you you know if right
0: if it's not is this that, the one like with the, the teddy bear ears and stuff like that that's or? what it looks like yeah oh yeah okay let me see. I'm bringing it up right now okay. Yeah, that that is kind of neat. I don't know where I would often use it, or even if I ever really would have anybody that would want to use it. But that's it, it's something that's different looking, and different's always kind of cool. I mean, that's what I keep telling my wife about me all the time. It's but, cool to be know. different.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so too. It's it's unique. Um, I guess it's unique to an extent because if you're in the woodworking world and you've you know been around for a while and you keep up to date on some of the products, that's not new. You know that's. Um, it looks right. looks like something that's you know I've seen for years. It's just always that neat thing that you can do with this jig, um, you know that kind of is part of you know it just goes in their brochures and catalog and it looks really cool. So I would look at that and go, oh that that is neat. Oh look, someone you know if I saw it on a piece of furniture, I'd be like, oh look, someone used the Lee jig to do that you know little thing there. It right. is I wouldn't necessarily say, oh that that craftsman is really good for making this choice and putting that in that piece of furniture. And, right.
0: This that- definitely fits into the uh, modern era during the 1970s, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
0: they have uh, key and mirror keys, uh, clover and bear ears, ellipse and wave are some of the ones they have. You know, in fact, actually looking at this, I think there was an article. It was either – it's one of the two big popular – either popular woodworking or fine woodworking. Somebody who was actually doing this same type of thing. In fact, his dovetails would be like actual – like um, I wouldn't say Japanese characters, but like – various characters and it's spelled out something on yeah. the side. You know, and it's just like one of those, whoa, that's just I don't have that much time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well see that when you see something like that, then you know it's done by hand. You know, there's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into it. Um, you know, and it makes such a bold statement that I'm like, whoa, you know, I have kind of the opposite reaction that I just described earlier. I look at that and go, holy crap, how you know, that's incredible. Very good work. Um, right but this like i said it looks fun you know it looks like a novelty so that's that's completely up to you how you want to incorporate novelty type um joinery into your work
0: yeah i can definitely guarantee that my kids would would love to see these but they would look at it once and then go yeah okay oh um, yeah
1: well like anything else they'd get bored of it in five minutes so
0: yeah dad can we go on myspace no your mother and i are <laughs> my spacing right now
1: <laughs> <Yeah. You're kidding. laughs> all right um you know what i think i accidentally stopped his voicemail so we may have to listen to okay. the first part again
2: Okay. Hey, Mark, Matt. This is uh, Dan from Florida. I have three uh, quick questions for you. First, what do you think about the Lee Isolock uh, uh, dovetail jig templates? Would you buy them? Do you like them? Would you use them? Also, uh, I'm pretty new, and uh, when I apply my polyurethane after I stain, I get bubbles on the surface. Is that from the kind of brush I'm using or the way I'm putting it on? And then my last question is, uh, I'm in the market for a Powermatic uh, joiner. I probably can only fit a 6-inch in the shop, but I've been looking at the 8-inches. Uh, which which one would you guys go with, the 8-inch uh, the model 60B or the Parallelogram one? All right, thank you very much.
1: Okay, um, the last question he asked, l- let me cover that first because he's asking, let me see. He said Powermatic 60B versus... The, let's see, 60B is 8-inch. I guess the 60B is the standard straight blades. Okay. um, I'm just trying to figure out, because he said that he thinks he only has room for the 6-inch.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard,
1: too. But he's asking us, do we think he should get, he's giving us two different models of the 8-inch, it sounds like.
0: Hmm. Well, I I say if you only have room for the six inch, I would go just for the six inch. Although I have attempted to shoehorn a few tools into my shop, <laughs> <laughs> you could always maybe you know have it as a uh, an accessory off of your table saw or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, like like you said, if you can only get the six inch, then I don't know why we're having this conversation. But he, you know, if 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 he's trying to decide between the parallelogram um, style versus the standard. Um, let me see if I can find what that is.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to p- look, this has to do with the actual table movement itself. Well, oh, yeah, the- yeah.
1: I've always had a hard time understanding exactly what it is, but as I understand it, it is, um, you know, supposed to hold its setting better once you have it all Got tuned you. up.
0: Gotcha. That would be interesting. I, Cause I, I know myself, I could probably easily. Well, it wouldn't work in mine. I would, I would somehow screw it up perfectly. Trust me, it's just like one of those. You said foolproof. Put it in my shop. I'll show you how unfoolproof anything can be. <laughs> well, I'll
1: tell you what. Um, I'm having trouble getting everything up here, so I don't want to drag everything out here. Um, okay, there it is. So the parallelogram, um, you know that that actually is the one that I have. Uh, the 60B is nice, but to me, if if something is going to hold uh, a setting better, you know, especially with something as important to the shop as the joiner is to me it's worth the extra money for that um Mm -hmm. i will say it looks like the the parallelogram versus the 60b parallelogram seems like it's a little bit more of a beast than the 60b and takes up a little bit more of a footprint possibly i mean it's that little thing is a monster so uh if if space is an issue and it sounds like it is keep that in mind as well uh, yeah, but so I'm me, looking
0: at one right now, and it looks like 82 inch bed length. Holy crap! That's yeah. my whole back wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I like the parallelogram. I think it's a it's worth investing. But at the same time, you know, and I find that any of the Powermatic joiners in general, it's not like they just randomly lose their setting. I mean, they all hold their setting pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if something other than the security in the setting is – there's another benefit to parallelogram joiners that we're missing, um, let us know because uh, that's something I've always had trouble getting to the bottom of. Uh, it just seemed like it was a little bit – treated like it was a little bit more of a big deal than just that, oh, it holds its setting better, you know, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, right. definitely. I'm always curious about these things too. So when people ask me, I'm like, well, hold on. This is what it is yeah, rather than yeah. – uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I could, I could definitely say that the, the parallelogram is a killer killer machine. It's awesome. Love it. Okie dokie. Um, the other part of his question that he said before was about, he's got bubbles in his pile.
0: Ooh, somebody might be putting it on a little too thick is what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things really. Um, well, yeah, uh, we,
0: Go ahead. You he was know. asking about application. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was uh, either he's applying it with the wrong applicator or, you know, something along the lines of that. And that was my first thought was that maybe it's a little bit too thick. Uh, it I could see where it could be the applicator. At least with my experience, um, I've used like just the regular traditional, well, traditional the regular foam brushes. Gotten mixed, you know, results with that. But I'm too cheap to actually go to a nice brush. So
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing is, if you are using a brush, you got to use the right brush. You know, and I'm not a, um, you know, I'm definitely not a brushing expert. I'm not a very big fan of brushing at all. So if you look it up, you know, find out what the right type of brush is, make sure you get a good brush because, you know, the finish is only going to be as good as, you know, your ability to apply it uh, properly. So, um, you know, if the brush isn't prepared properly, you know, a lot of times the brush itself can hold air bubbles if you shook the poly before you actually started to uh apply it, that can be a problem. Um you know, a lot of times people rush right into it. They take a dry brush and throw it right down into the poly uh, and start going. You know, that's bad because the the brush is dry. It's going to start soaking up the poly, but there's air on top of that, and it just becomes a mess for you. So a lot of times you want to uh, pre-soak that brush in, you know, mineral spirits or naphtha or something uh, for a few minutes ahead of time and let it work out all the air bubbles. You'll see them even pop to the top and, and push it down and just kind of get it all nice and filled with liquid. Get all of that out, and then start uh, using the polyurethane. Yeah, the ah. application will be a whole lot smoother that way. Um, you know, if you use a a foam brush, like you said, I get mixed results with that too. But what does foam want to do? It wants to hold yeah. air. Yeah, you that's know?
0: very true. I mean, it's full of air pockets, anyways. So. Right.
1: So the right brush, the right type of bristles, is designed. You know, to be done with the right technique, you should get a nice smooth finish. Even still, certain woods. You know, let's say oak, for instance. Is very porous, and you know what can happen there is a lot of times the air that's inside the wood itself can sometimes go to the top and screw up the finish as well. So that's always something to be concerned.
0: Damn air! My God! Yeah, exactly,
1: (laughs) and and that's that's how it happens too. After everything looks good, and you give it a few minutes, and you come back and look, and it looks like you're at the beach and there's crabs in the sand blowing bubbles. Um so what that's a nice I, image thanks there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, that's what we used to do in Jersey. We used to um wait for the the wave to come in and then it would, you know, recede and then you look for where the bubbles are and then you just dig like hell and try and catch the crab. <laughs> <laughs> look, we didn't have much money, Matt, you know, these were the things we did for fun in New Jersey, okay? <laughs>
0: Hey, no problem. I, I, I wouldn't even go into my stories because I think there's probably arrest warrants out for some of ours.
1: <laughs> yeah, mine's rather innocent. I'm chasing crabs on the beach. Um, okay, so there's that. And I would honestly say, you know, for my best recommendation for a beginner, it's it's always good to know these techniques. And I think, you know, brushing is there's a lot of subtleties to it. And you got to to practice to get good. Um, but I think if you're looking to get from zero to 60 and you want to have some, you know, success right away and, and getting a beautiful finish is the priority, uh, maybe even more so than, you know, practicing your brushing technique, I would consider thinning and wiping on.
0: Yeah, right? that's, that, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah,
1: that's really going to take a lot of the guesswork out. Uh, you can. It's going to take a few more coats, no doubt about it, but thin the poly 50% with mineral spirits or naphtha. And then use, you know, you could even brush it on and wipe off the excess if you want, or just use a rag to do the actual application that way. And I think you're, you know, you'll be able to control the finish better. You'll be happier with the results. Um, You know, it's it's they actually dry faster because it's a thinner coat, and then consequently you have to apply more coats to get the finish that you were, you know, may have gotten in two or three coats with a brush. But a little bit of extra work, I think it's really worth it to to do it that way.
0: That's a great point. That, and see, that's one problem I think so many people have. I know I still trouble. I still trouble. I still have trouble with it. I still struggle with it. Is that the idea that it's like one of those? All right, the, the thinner multiple quotes, I will probably get a much better result from it because I, I am so guilty of just going in there and just slopping it on. And it's like, okay. oh, well, that run will take care of itself. It's self leveling. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, so basically reading the instructions and understanding how it, you know, how the material actually flows. I mean, literally how, how the polyurethane flows and everything. And the point about the um, getting the right brush for it you know some some uh, material, some finishes will ask for a synthetic brush, some a natural bristle and this is very, very important. I learned this the hard way um, i actually i 'm trying to think what I was using uh, I was using something probably some sort of polyurethane, and I know for a fact that I had the wrong one. And that was like – I think it was a water-based one requires a synthetic brush. And I was just right. like, I'll use this natural one. And that natural brush just sucked all that stuff up because it's water-based. Yep. So it just – I got horrible results from it. And, of course, for the longest time, I didn't want to use a water-based because I got bad results because I didn't follow the instructions. So yep. lesson learned.
1: There you go. So, all right. Yeah. All right. I think we probably have time for one more voicemail before right. we call it a day. And – uh <laughs> I don't even know what this one is. Let's hope they don't say bad words. Please don't stay alone.
2: (laughs) Fellas, what's happening? This is uh, Bob from Southern California, where it's currently raining. Um, Wanted to check out your new technology and give you a shout out.
1: Shout out? And
2: uh, ask you a question. So here's the question I was uh, out at a furniture restoration. Store, kind of like an antique store, and uh, a guy was refinishing a piece, and he was using a wax i mean it, it was already stained he was using a wax, and the wax had some kind of stain in it um, now he it, it looked like he was putting this over
1: <laughs> that <Wow>. actually <laughs> is where it got cut off. And oh, okay. Bob a, was
0: taking a big breath. Yeah.
1: <gasps> well, you know what? First of all, if I had to guess, I would say that Bob called us while he was driving.
0: I, I was under that impression, too.
1: <laughs> Don't do that, Bob. That's silly. That's craziness. Um, maybe he wasn't, but maybe he was. And
0: <laughs> if you need to, just pull over to the side of the road. We'll
1: wait. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> pull over and then give us a call. Um, yeah, he's. I think we can actually answer his question. That's you know, even though it kind of got cut off. Um, You know, lots of furniture paste wax. um, And I believe who's the big company that sells all the colored ones? I think is it Liberon?
0: Yeah, that's. I was just going to say Liberon or not Bree Wax. uh...
1: No, I think I think Wax does. I believe that they do because I have the clear stuff, but I think they also make. um, Let's see, I do believe that they make colors. I could be wrong. Either way, any furniture wax company, um, maybe not any, but a lot of them do make the ones that actually have a coloring agent in there. I don't know exactly what his question was, but that is, you know, a fairly common product to find. And if you're looking, you know, if you're going to wax it anyway and you want to add just that little bit of extra luster and and color and and depth to the color, it's kind of like a little bit like using a gel stain, um, on top of uh, of the wood, where you can push the gel around and actually uh, even out the color a little bit. If there's a little bit of streakiness, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe you're using a uh, a splotch-prone wood and you want to you know even that out. This is kind of like your last op- opportunity to do that is by using something a wax that has a little bit of color in there. Um, secondly, if it's a wood that's porous, that wax will then sit down into the pores. And give the grain either blend it or give it more of an accent, depending on the color that you're using in the base color of the wood. So, okay, um, I don't know exactly where he was going with this question, but hopefully, that that's kind of what he was asking: is what's the deal with that stuff? Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line is, not being a big fan of wax to begin with, tinted wax doesn't excite me very much either. So,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, maybe the question was going to be, how can he take regular wax and actually tint it? In well, that there that case. You go. You know, um, I wouldn't have a clue. I, I, I still, that's another one of those on my list of things to check out, not tinting wax, but actually, (laughs) you know, maybe trying to, uh, do a, a a wax finish. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
1: I mean, if you're, if you're really trying to tint it, the only thing is different waxes of different consistencies, like Brie wax is very, um, it's almost gel like, you know, it's not real solid. Uh, but you take something like, um, I don't know, some of the other ones that I've used Renaissance wax or, uh. You know, min, min wax or Johnson's paste wax, those I imagine would be a little bit trickier to get some color in there, unless unless maybe you take a small sample, add a little bit of a dye to it, uh, mix it in a secondary container, you know, so you're not destroying the whole thing or, or ruining the whole thing of uh, of wax. And next thing you know, you've got some colored wax there, so that might be an option too.
0: Oh, it's kind of like adding food coloring to uh, um, uh, uh never mind, I'm not going to go there, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Wow, totally lost it. Oh, my God, that was really bad. It was right on the tip of my tongue. It was going to be funny. I'll save it for the next show. Well, it was.
1: The good thing about it was because you completely screwed it up, it was funny. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know um, what? I think that that's a full show, and we've got a, you've actually got some voicemails left in the box. So maybe sweet. we should do that. Maybe we should make a commitment to get back here and do this again before two weeks go by.
0: I am totally committed to entertaining our listeners uh, more than just listening to Matt make a lot of gaffes while, you know, talking about stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: I hope so. I hope so. All right, we,
0: we should keep this to the point where we don't actually listen to the voicemails so they come in; just throw them out there and just sweat it out. <laughs> you know, well, we've
1: done that. We have done that a few times with the emails, but the voicemails will bring up a whole new level of, oh, crap. Um, yeah. But, you know, there are a couple of them that, you know, it would be, you know. I just actually uh, the the real thing is how many times can I say you know in the in the course of this conversation, you know.
0: Oh, you know I could go there easily so many times, <laughs> but um,
1: you know <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about some of the questions, and you know the other thing is they they do require some some research on our parts to give an adequate answer. So we'll, we'll you know keep saying you know as much as possible you know? until I get the answer, uh, but until I then, no. <laughs> <know. laughs> until then, we will uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Hey contact yeah. information
0: yeah if you have questions that you want to get to us uh, some feedback you know if you've heard something that we've talked about today that you're like well i could help out with this or that or you guys are so wrong kind of a thing uh <laughs> drop us a line at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. and uh, of course you can also contact us by picking up your phone and actually leaving a voicemail like uh, the other listeners have today mm-hmm. and you could reach us at 623 242 Two four five zero. If you're calling from your car phone, um, just pull over <laughs> to the side of the road. Uh, the last thing I want to get is like halfway through a, a question and then have hear the horrible sound of scratching metal of Ooh. you know just whatever. That wouldn't be good. Bad so news. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, yeah, just drop us a line. Let us know what's going on and uh, so feedback and questions. Keep them coming in. We will get a you know if you send us an email, we'll we'll get a hold of you as soon as we can. Or just send it to a board of our friends and laugh at you.
1: So. Could be. Could be. Could be. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Yep. Take care, everyone.